Welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast, where powerful women are interviewed every week to share real inspiring stories and incredible insight to help women or anyone break the barriers, be a part of innovation, shatter the glass ceiling, and dominate to the top of their sport, industry, or life's mission. Join us as we celebrate exceptional women and step into our power. And now, here's your host, Angela Gennari. Hello, and welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast. My name is Angela Gennari, and today I am here with Janet Livingstone. How are you, Janet? I'm great. Thank you, Angela. It's nice to be here. Oh, thank you so much. So I'm I'm super happy to talk to Janet because I think she's just going to bring a fresh perspective to our podcast today. So Janet Livingstone is the founder of Culture is Key, a consultancy devoted to leadership development, executive coaching, and team effectiveness. Janet helps leaders and the teams take ownership of their own development through intentional work and human connection in the workplace. As a multilingual expert on inner intercultural competence who has lived and worked on five continents, Janet is curious about everyone. She draws on her lived experience to expand dialogue and build trust within hybrid and international teams, both in established companies and startups. Janet enjoys getting people at meetings to connect with each other, studying jazz, and finding humor in everyday observations. So thank you so much for joining me. Um, I'm excited to talk to you because there's nothing I enjoy more than talking about culture and people and what makes us all tick. Great. Well, I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. Um, also want to mention that Jana is also the co-host of the Original Syndrome podcast and has traveled to 27 countries. So have you been to all continents or are you where are you at on the travel scale? I've not been to Australia or yeah. um, Antarctica, Ooh, but yeah. I've been to all the others and I consider myself lucky and I just I love to travel. Mm -hmm. um, some of that has been just, you know, recreational travel mm -hmm. and some of it has been living and working. I've lived in Europe. I have many years of experience living in Europe. Um, and I've worked now in the last six or seven years more in Asia. I've been to China a few times mm -hmm. and I'm going to India for the first time oh, in fun. the of June. So I'm excited about that. Now, is that yeah. going to be really hot? India, June? I think that's... Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A little steamy. <laughs> I think that's guaranteed. Okay. I, you know, I went, I looked at my closet and I was like, oh, yeah. I might have to shop for some lighter clothes. Yeah, you know? for sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, cool. So, that's exciting. Uh -huh. I love to travel as well. In fact, the company that I owned prior to starting Titan... Uh, which is the security company we were talking about, was a travel agency. So I owned a travel agency and okay. we managed travel for corporations and associations and groups yeah. and so forth. And I loved the travel part of the job. That was just, mm -hmm. it's, you know, always a different adventure. I love mm -hmm. traveling so much. That's a nice job where you get to go and check out hotels mm -hmm. and resorts and stuff. And you get paid to do it. Yeah. Better. It, yes. That sounds Sweet. I yeah, can't imagine yeah, that. Uh -huh. yeah, not bad. So yeah. have you always traveled? Did you grow up traveling or was that into your adult life? Like how, what, what brought you yeah. to the travel bug? Yeah. So I was born into this kind of family that had, my parents had already traveled a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. And so they were really interested in the world. They were sometimes a little bit critical of the U.S. or they or they would, you know, sort of make comparisons when we were kids and they would tell us about it. And then mm-hmm. um, we did travel as a family Good. a fair bit kind of from the age of how old was I? I don't know, eight mm. or something. And like when I grew up, we always had a giant National Geographic map. Oh, I on love the that. fridge. Yeah. yeah. And so I was interested, like, where is this? And what country mm-hmm. is it next to? And what language do they speak there? Um, so that's kind of where it comes from. My mom was a, um, is, sorry, she's still a Francophile. She still speaks French. Yeah. And so she decided that I should take French lessons uh, when I was a kid. So I started when I was seven. Okay. Very and that cool. was the beginning. And then it just, then it just snowballed. I studied more and more languages because it was fun. I, I was born with an ear. I always liked music. I liked to mm-hmm. imitate sounds and people. Um, and I got into it. I could tell you, you know, I could tell you the whole life story, but maybe you have a more succinct question. One more. Oh, no, no. Question. I was just curious <laughs> what, what brought you to, to loving travel because it's yeah. been such a huge part of your life and now your career. So yeah. I love that. I, I actually didn't travel much until I was an adult. Um, you know, I, mm-hmm. I grew up in a family where we took the same vacation to the same place every single year, the same oh, week. Yeah. <laughs> wow. so it was, <laughs> it was very routine. Um, mm-hmm. and so when I turned 18 and I was kind of like, Hey, you can go do what you want now. Like I just, I started traveling. I drove across the country from Pennsylvania to California, uh, when I was Good like 20, maybe 20 years old, um, 19 That's or 20. Great. Uh, I had a friend who was going to college in California and he uh-huh. wanted to take his car um, from Pennsylvania to California. And I thought, hey, I'll take a road trip. That sounds awesome. So that was interesting. Nice. Very interesting. Got to see a lot of the country um, very up close. So that was fun. Yeah. So I- so as you, you know, you've made traveling and culture a career and I love mm. that. So tell me what made you put the two together what what made you say I think we can make people better at their job and you know bring culture into into companies so how did that transition happen yeah so that's that was really an organic kind of evolution so I when I started my working career yeah um it started with a with a kind of a bang that I had nothing to do with. So when I was in mm-hmm. grad school, I studied international relations oh. and I was in Washington, DC. And at that time, um, the revolutions, like the throwing off of communism started happening in mm. Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. And so I got a chance really, really early on to go over to the region, to go to Czechoslovakia with a nonprofit And first I taught English for a couple months. And then the following year, there were other organizations that had been founded to help out the region. And so I got to go back for a whole year as an instructor of international relations theory and diplomatic history, which sounds really fancy. I had no clue. I had no (laughs) business doing that. I was a fresh fresh graduate. I was like, well, you want me to teach? Right. But, But the... The um, you know leaders in Czechoslovakia for it's now two countries right, but mm. at that time they understood that they needed some outside help to reform their higher education system because all the social sciences, economics, all those so- topics 
were governed by Marxist-Leninist thought. Mm. They were completely different from what you would study here. Right. And right. And they they were rejoining Europe and they were super excited about it. They felt that that was where they belonged, that they never belonged under the Soviet sphere. But they got the you know short end of the stick mm-hmm. during World War Two and after the war. And so they were desperate for people to come over and teach. And so they didn't mind that I was a fresh graduate. They just were like, this is a cool opportunity. She can teach in English. Yeah. Just just learning in English will help our students, et cetera, et cetera. So I ended up doing that and doing doing a lot of just just crazy things happened. I mean, that moment was intense and I was in the right place at the right time. Wow, that's so, so cool. It was. It was super cool. And to this day, you know, some of the um some of the people I taught are very active. So I I landed at a newly founded diplomatic academy, basically, for adults so these were my first crop of students were people who already had careers some of them were engineers some of them were doctors some of them did other stuff and they wanted to join their foreign service which was you know changing because they were a compound country czech republic and slovakia they were czechoslovakia Mm. and their diplomatic corps was 80 percent czechs and 20% Slovaks, mm. and I got sent to, to Slovakia, and they knew they knew that they were going to need more people. They kind of saw the writing on the wall that probably someday they were going to be independent, and they couldn't just go independent without a foreign service, or you know, they wanted to be prepared. So mm-hmm. I ended up there, and to this day, my former students are like one of them is the foreign minister now. The other ones are like ambassadors in Brussels. Wow. One of them, one of the, the brother is the ambassador to the U.S. So it's it's weird and very cool. Um, and that's that, super cool. Yeah. So that was kind of like the beginning of me being like pushed out onto the international stage without a plan right? and and it was tons of fun it was Mm -hmm. really really wonderful um I could go on and on but I got that's how I got into nonprofit, and I kept going and Mm -hmm. I worked for various nonprofits around I worked for one in DC Mm -hmm. later a few years later uh that ended up sending me to live in Zambia in in uh Africa very cool so yeah so Zambia is next to Zimbabwe and Angola and the Congo and it's all in there in Central Africa so that was completely different and that just kept it just kept happening you know the nonprofit I worked for saw that I could deal with new situations Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I could communicate with people well enough to get stuff done Mm -hmm. that I was that I was empathetic enough to kind of make things happen and that I was just flexible Sometimes, yeah. sometimes it was hard for me, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I've been in plenty of sort of weird rat's nest situations. Um, but so they kept sending me to other places to consult or solve problems or. Yeah. So I've had that background and that really gave me an appreciation for what it means to work abroad, to mm-hmm. live somewhere else what it means for other folks from other places to come and live here in the U S like it's much deeper 
and more complicated a process than most people think, especially people who haven't had the opportunity to travel. Yeah, well, and I think travel is one of the biggest gifts that, you know, you can yeah. give yourself and your kids because I I feel like I'm a better leader because I've mm-hmm. traveled a lot and I'm a better parent because I've traveled a lot. And it's yeah. it's always been a really important thing for me to share with my son. So, I mean, at five months old, he had a passport going to Mexico City with me. So Ooh, that's, that's excellent. <laughs> yeah. His first passport photo was literally me holding him up because oh. he couldn't even hold himself up. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> Just this great big baby yeah. face. It was the cutest thing yeah. ever. But yeah, uh, I had work in, in Mexico City and I thought, well, I could get a nanny and, you know, have him be taken care of there or I could just take him with me. And why not? Uh-huh. So he uh-huh. had been on over 50 flights before he turned two. <laughs> so wow, was, that's amazing. All, yeah, but he was, wow. he, you know, him. It was so cute. Like by the time, you know, he was getting so used to it. He was never one of those like crying babies on the plane. And listen, everybody has different experiences. Sometimes it's, you know, it could be a lot of other uh, reasons that a, a baby is crying on a plane and I'm sympathetic to that but yeah. he had gotten so used to it that we'd get to the security line and he'd pop his shoes off and hold them up and <laughs> so he could pop his shoes <laughs> like he could already know like what the routine oh. is <laughs> did he take his little baby laptop out of the backpack yeah. give it, you know, <laughs> yeah so he he's uh yeah he's been on uh cross-country flights by himself he's 16 already so but yeah so we always try to go on adventures and i think it just opens your mind and it and it just absolutely it changes your reality because you realize that the world is so much bigger than our little tiny neighborhood and our little school system absolutely. and our little city you know it's so much bigger than that and you don't realize how privileged we are until you see what it really is like to you know live in a third world country and to not have clean water and to, you know, the things that we take for granted, especially in America, it's, it's, it's crazy, but yeah, you don't realize how privileged you are and how good you have it until you really see the other side. Absolutely. I'm hundred percent with you on that. And I wish, I wish, wish, wish that everybody in the U S could, could have this gift that everyone Mm. could get to go somewhere really different. Yeah, like somewhere where you absolutely can't speak the language or somewhere where you look different from everyone else. I mean, that really it it builds so many skills. It gives it brings so many insights. Like when I first went to Africa, you know, I was like, oh, my God, I saw I felt like I had a big light shining on me because I was clearly, you know, distinguishable from a mile away. And the kids used to run by they'd run by and they'd yell at me hey mzungu they did that in zambia too and mzungu means white person right uh-huh, uh-huh. i was like hey white lady and it it wasn't it wasn't derogatory it wasn't aggressive or anything it was just they were they were like hey look there's a white lady. yeah it was an acknowledgement <laughs> right right yeah and i mean you could yeah it really helps process the yeah. kind of general reactive reactiveness and fear that we can all have when yeah. faced with a situation where people around us are really different. So I think it's yeah. super valuable. Absolutely. So how have you found that people are, and just kind of pivot a little bit when you're dealing with living in a, in a foreign country, right? Uh-huh. Like some, are, what are some of the, the skills that you've developed um, in doing something like that, that you have brought now back to you know your your function in in your work 
Mm-hmm. So what what skills do you think you've developed? So I think the first, there are a couple of things. Mm-hmm. First one is be very aware as much as you can of your own assumptions. Assumptions yeah. about how people behave in public. Assumptions uh-huh. about what people expect from you in the workplace or in a meeting. Assumptions right. about what's friendly and what isn't. Uh, whether it's okay to, you know, touch somebody else like sometimes Mm -hmm. when I get into conversation I might just touch somebody on the arm like some places Mm -hmm. you know that's not okay and you think that's normal but it's not yeah Yeah, absolutely but it's not not. so what I try to do is um do a little research up front ask Mm -hmm. anybody uh I can who's been to that country or who's from there like okay what is socially acceptable right and they'll tell you stuff that you'd never think of. Like right. in Thailand, if you come up from behind somebody, even if they're your you know, good colleague, if you put your hand on their shoulder, like, hey, what are you doing? That's not okay. Really? That's okay. really threatening. Yeah, I've never been to Thailand, but that's something that I heard. Uh-huh. Um, so you have to uh, intentionally kind of hold back. Yeah for Mm -hmm. a few days kind of observe okay what's going on what is it like so example i you know when i went i was in russia a long time ago studying russian and i spoke already enough and when i got there what i just what i had discounted was that that the intonation the way they speak right the melody yeah sounded so different it i viscerally i had this reaction like Sounds like everybody's annoyed all the time, right? <laughs> right? You know, it's how you know how people say, "Oh, if you go to Spain or Italy, it's like if you feel like people are like arguing all the time, but they're not." Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. right. So it's hard not to feel triggered when you think like, "Oh, everybody's criticizing everyone yeah. else," or there. And there were moments when they were. I mean, mm. there were a lot of weird things that were stressful there, like riding a bus uh-huh. so i was a you know going around the city by myself they have great public transport in a place like russia mm-hmm. and all that whole part of europe so i would get on a bus the bus would be half full yeah. and i would sit down in a seat because the distances are long there and chances are i would have been walking for a while right and the people in the bus would give me a total like the evil eye like just completely like they would stare me down sometimes they would directly say to me hey what do you think you're doing where are you sitting wow and I'm like what are you talking about the bus is half full so the the custom there was that you do not sit down you let old elderly people sit and you let pregnant women sit but you don't sit unless you have a legitimate reason to sit. Mm, interesting and that blew me away because mm-hmm. i'm kind of like well there are available seats right and you know efficiency would dictate or comfort would dictate you sit in one of them but sure. no i got i got yeah hmm, interesting and mostly women hmm. right interesting mostly yeah women the men didn't care hmm. yeah interesting so i remember um one of the first books that i ever read in my in my uh college slash going into business career was a book called kiss 
bow and shake hands. And mm. it was really just a lot of it was how to do business internationally. And I was not yeah. a business major. I was a psychology major. And yeah. so it was just a fascinating book to me because it's like, wow, culturally things are so different. And it didn't, yeah. I can't tell you anything from that book. Cause I mean, I read it 20 years ago, but it, it did open up my mind to say every culture is different. And if you want to be effective in communicating with that culture, it's best to respect their traditions and their, their, you know, social norms. Um, so it, it definitely did help me. Um, I, I managed, a an Orthodox Passover program for several years. And, and it was, you know, I had been raised Christian. And so there were a lot of things that I just didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I learned along the way and, and I learned it and I I respected it. And I, you know, but, but some things that I would have taken for granted, like I can't just put my hand out to reach out and shake somebody's hand. Like it's very inappropriate for a man to shake a woman's hand. Right. Right. He's not married to like, you can't touch somebody you're not married to. And so like things that you just take for granted, even within the U S culturally may not be okay. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a, um, that is something that we also don't think about that our own right. country is incredibly diverse and right. there's there's so much richness right yeah. like even uh, even between christians like sure. uh, i'm personally jewish so i'm glad that you're talking about yeah um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah but but um you know for folks from the pacific northwest or where yeah. i come from i come from boston actually yeah the the feeling when I meet somebody from, from Georgia or Alabama, which had, you know, I met some folks a couple of years back. I feel that there's a difference. There's a difference in the general demeanor, in yeah. the tone, in right. the, in the approachability. <laughs> and like, there's some stereotypes there, but for me, they fit the stereotypes. Like yeah. great, like great conversationalists, like, like to tell stories, that kind of stuff. And I remember when I moved here to Seattle, Seattle's very reserved. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll tell you, oh, there are tons of people of Scandinavian origin here. So people are, are you know, introverted and et cetera. And you can feel that a lot of the time. Right. I met somebody from Alabama and I was like, oh, yeah, it's so great. Somebody yeah. wants to have a conversation. <laughs> You're like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you know what else I was going to say? So assumptions and then asking a lot of questions and also also letting other people know what you're observing and what's different for you yeah yeah let them in on what you're experiencing and to to let them know that you're processing Mm -hmm. well and yeah ask people the questions that are on your mind because like if i say to you as a jewish woman and i say you know i want to make sure that i am being sensitive is there anything that I would do without realizing would be offensive to you? Right. And that way you have the opportunity and I have the opportunity before anything is said or done that, you know, maybe let's just get it out on the table because I don't know what I don't know. Right. And so when I first started working with the Passover program, I mean, I made a lot of mistakes that I just didn't know were mistakes, but I had a client who was gentle and kind enough to say, so this is how, you know, you might want to, do this instead. And he would never yeah. criticize me, but he might, you know, he would make a suggestion. You may want to try this instead. You know, you'll be, people will be more receptive to this. 
And as long as you're open to that, there's, there's no reason to take offense to it. You know, for me, like, I wouldn't be offended if somebody said, maybe you want to try this instead of that. Like, I would be totally open to that. But I think as long as you're both open-minded coming into the conversation and realize, you know, give grace, we're human. But at the same time, be respectful of the people that you're communicating with, because if you're not, and you're going to hold a, if you're going to hold a stance firm, then understand that that's going to prevent full communication. It's going to prevent full vulnerability. Right. And there may be some consequences that come from that, that you may or may not see. Right. 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 Moving Mm -hmm. forward, but it may linger with the Mm -hmm. folks on the other side. Resentment, contempt. Yeah, absolutely. They may think that you're, you know, whatever, bumbling, Mm. that you don't care or that you're offensive on purpose or who knows what they're going to think. The third thing that I would uh, bring up here, I mean, and there's a whole, there's a whole list of cultural competencies like, you know, folks have studied, but another thing is to, to the extent that, that you're interested in able and not everybody likes languages and not everybody has an ear and right. I totally acknowledge that, but if you're in another country, try to learn some of the language or at Mm -hmm. least be able to recognize a few of the words because I don't care where you are. I've been in so many different places and just being able to say one phrase, mm-hmm. it impresses people. A, first of all, they're, they're surprised because Americans don't usually have the reputation of being multilingual, which mm-hmm. may or may not reflect reality, but we don't have that reputation. Right. Uh, second of all, they're really touched. Like they're, they feel really good that somebody tried. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Especially if you're in their country. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, respect. I, I could not agree with you more. And I think it's a very, um, I mean, obviously we love to travel. We love tourism. We can't, you know, if we want to go to, if you, if you go to 47 countries, you may not be able to learn all the languages, but you're right. Making an attempt makes all the difference. Um, it does. I had, I had been to Peru and I did a, a month volunteering in South America and I spent cool. two weeks in Bogota, Colombia, and then two weeks in Cusco, Peru. And on my third week there, I was in Cusco and Cusco is a huge tourist town, right? Cause it's right outside of Machu Picchu. And so everybody, uh, all the tourists right. are there, hikers, you've got every outdoorsman. It looks like REI threw up, <laughs> so, but it's uh yeah, it's, it's a huge tourist town and I was in this little shop and there's these little markets and I love these little markets, right? They're just, they're wonderful. And, um, so these, uh, I don't know, they American or Canadian men were in the store and they were talking in English. And then they asked all the questions in English. How much is this? What is this? What's this for? And so the woman has, was having to respond to them only in English because they didn't speak any Spanish. And so, um, one of the items that they had picked up, they had, you know, they had asked how much it was and they, and she told them, and then, you know, they left the store and I spoke to her in Spanish and I asked her, so how much is this? And she gave me a completely different price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the other perk, right? <laughs> completely different price. So yep. yeah, <laughs> there's, there's more than one advantage to speaking the local language. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'll tell you, I, you know, there's, I can't compare the advantage for working with folks, for doing business mm. and working together with other people, if you speak the language, you can get so much further, so much faster. You can build yes. trust so much more quickly. Absolutely. So 100%. Oh, quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's made a huge difference 
for me in terms of my working relationships with folks mm -hmm. in terms of my also your ability to understand what what's happening why people are behaving in a certain way like you can catch yeah. some of the subtleties you can catch that somebody is hesitant for a reason and you you might right you might be able to sense it mm -hmm. sooner mm -hmm. and you may understand what's behind it eventually much better than if you were just an expat like this is why absolutely sometimes when i meet expats who've lived in wherever for 15 years and they still don't speak the the local language yeah i'm always like wow yes yeah. you know okay if you live in china and you haven't been able to learn chinese okay I, I get that chinese is objectively very very difficult for yeah us to learn but you know there's a whole it's not just words right when you learn a, another language there's the whole cultural and historical background that comes right. with language yes yeah it's so you get so much so mm -hmm. i mean i lived in Slovakia right for yeah. 16 almost 17 years wow and the Slovak language completely reflects its geographical position so the the language that they speak in the capital Bratislava which is only like 50 minutes on the train from Vienna Austria mm -hmm. so the, their language is full of German words Hungarian words um Czech words for sure because the wow. Czechs and Slovaks lived together in one country for uh, decades. Sure, and you get you you literally get the history. Interesting in the language when they speak. And when I first went there, some of my English students who were real beginners they would they would throw out German German words at me all the time, <laughs> and expecting that I would understand them. Right. <laughs> and I had never studied German and I'm like, what? I don't understand. What are you talking about? And the guy was convinced. He was like, he's trying to say door. And he kept saying, die Tür, Tür, Tür. And I was like, I don't know what a Tür is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fascinating. Yeah, it is. So what do you think makes Americans different than other cultures? When uh, you've traveled so much, what do you think makes Americans stand out? And I know I have my, you know, list of, but... Yeah. But yes. Um, oh, a bunch of things. Yeah. Um, so let's see. If you if you want to argue that we come out of Puritan traditions, right? Because a, a lot of the first European settlers who right. moved here were from pretty, you know, pretty extreme religious backgrounds. Right. Mm -hmm. So we've evolved yeah. out of that. And so we still have some fairly conservative views about public behavior about you know i don't know sexuality i mean you right mm -hmm. there's okay the obvious like right when i was younger and we would go to a french movie or somehow a french movie would come up my parents would rent one or something i was always like why are they naked like yeah. what's happening <laughs> why what and yes. so, right so we're we so you know, lots of us in the U in the U.S. tend to be more conservative that way, but yeah, there are many other things like the sort of politeness that we get from way back from the British heritage that's turned into more 
sort of friendliness, like smiling all the time. Like most mm. people, when you go to their country, they don't necessarily smile all the time. In fact, I've been introduced to so many folks around the world who don't smile when they shake your hand. Interesting. Yeah. Because I think yeah. that would be, somebody would think, are they mad at me? Like if they were Exactly. Like, it's pretty unsettling. You know, yeah. at first when they started doing that, I was like, what is wrong? Do I look weird? Like what? Yeah. What is, why? <laughs> are What's happening? Mad? Right. Or, or in lots of cultures, people don't smile when you take their photo. Mm, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, in general, U.S. culture, especially in the workplace, tends to be extremely task oriented, mm-hmm. very time conscious, very efficiency content conscious, very transactional. Um, and true. that's, yes. yeah, that's kind mm-hmm. of one of the parameters that if you study cultural, intercultural competency, one of the parameters is about uh, how people perceive time and yeah. Mm-hmm. And okay. So for example, appointments, that's, that's easy. Like yeah, somebody from another culture might think it's perfectly acceptable to come 15 minutes late. Right. Or, you know, my Slavic friends will always say, yeah, I'll see you at four. And then at three minutes to four, I would get a text. It was, it was all the time, every time. So three minutes to four, I'm running late. Three, <laughs> no, two, two minutes after four. I'm still running late. I don't know what's happening. Five minutes after four, I can't find a parking place. 4.15, do you want to do this tomorrow? And I'd be like, hey, I've been at the cafe for half an hour already. Get your butt down right, here. Right, right. Right? Like me, the American, like, okay, where's it? But, <laughs> right? but there are plenty of cultures where, I mean, that's fine. Everybody's yeah, yeah. flexible. Or the way people have meetings. The, the way mm. people have meetings, right? We tend to come in and this is one thing that I actually try to focus on when I help leaders when I coach leaders or when I help teams kind of think about how they communicate with each other and about their performance Mm -hmm. that usually not not everybody for sure but the American model is bring the agenda, sit down. Okay, let's get to it. You know, what's the first thing on the agenda? What's the task? Yeah. Who's the, who's responsible? Okay, give me the status update, blah, 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 right? Very, right. very, you can have a bunch of, you know, people from any Latin country. You've for sure experienced this in mm-hmm. Cusco or in, yeah. or in Bogota or wherever you were, right? People talk yes. a lot. They chat, yes. they, they talk in circles they talk at the same time mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. maybe a lot of them mm-hmm. they interrupt each other yep. all the time nobody gets offended no nope. right? <laughs> it's true and and you as an american are sitting there going oh my god this is chaos what the heck yeah. is going on when are we going to start the meeting right but then in fact that is the meeting and then right right when the meetings <laughs> the meetings over and everybody leaves and like you'll get an email later like that was a really good meeting i'm doing and you're this like and we this covered and nothing like, what <laughs> yeah so yeah. i mean those style differences can make a huge impact like if i'm a new boss who's been you know posted to country x yeah and my people are what I perceive as chatting mm-hmm. for half an hour, I might get really upset. I might try to crack down on people. Yeah. 
I might try to force them to quote unquote, focus on the task at hand. Uh Right. When they actually understand what they're doing. Yeah. Right. Then they're going to perceive me as like this grumpy person without tolerance or, (laughs) or whatever. So these things are more important than they, than they seem. Right. Right. So it can be really stressful to, um, to deal with these kinds of things on a daily basis. And now, of course, like most large corporations have got dispersed global teams mm-hmm. and everybody's meeting online. So how do you think that, <clears throat> what impact do you think that's having culturally? I think it's creating uh, probably quite a lot of stress that can yeah. be insidious, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes people don't understand why it's frustrating for them mm. at those meetings, mm-hmm. right? Um, because everybody comes on, you know, the team in India and the team in Israel and the team in China, they've all got different styles. Right, right. They've all got, if the meeting's happening in English, they've all got different accents. Yes. Right? It's it, So that's objectively difficult, right? I have a wonderful colleague who's our regional director. I work a lot at Boeing. I have a wonderful colleague who's our regional director in Beijing, in China. And he's great. Like he's been incredibly productive and he's a really nice guy. And sometimes I don't understand what he's saying because of his pronunciation. Mm. And I have to, I have to wait for him to say the word three or four times. Sometimes I miss what's in between because I'm waiting for that word. Yeah. You know, so that adds another layer. Mm -hmm. Sometimes of course, people from other teams, from other countries, they come in and people who've been in the company for a couple of years and maybe those others who are coming in they're new they don't know what all the acronyms are they don't get yeah all the jargon like i'm running out of runway and yeah like you hit it out of the ballpark and we yeah, have a yeah. level set and all that <laughs> stuff i moved here after 13 years in europe and i landed and i didn't understand what was happening i yeah. literally i literally didn't understand because all that there was all this new jargon had entered the language mostly from the tech industry Hmm, interesting which is hugely influential right we're all talking Mm -hmm. about ecosystems and stuff um so there's there's all kinds of stressors and what i like to challenge people to do is to address it head on Mm -hmm. that is to a get to know each other on a personal basis. And that can be facilitated during a meeting that can right. be, bit, you know, a, mm-hmm. an exercise, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pair people off, give them a little thing to fill in the blank, which reveals a lot about who they are, how they grew up. Yeah. You know, what their house smelled like, you know, when it was yeah. dinner time, like whatever, you know, any kind of details that brings you closer. To yeah. Each other. I like that. Yeah. The other thing is to find a facilitator or the leader themselves who's leading the meeting to address the communication style differences, you know, Mm -hmm. to ask folks, okay, we're here in wherever, New York, you're in Buenos Aires or you're in, you know, Cape Town. Right. How do you usually run your meetings? Is it polite to interrupt where you where you are um you know do you do recaps at the end Mm. of your meetings do Mm. you send out meeting notes 
when you're done? Is mm-hmm. it acceptable to raise your voice? Is it acceptable to make jokes? I mean, there's all kinds of things you, yeah. can, you can ask. Yeah, I like right? that. And like we were saying earlier, you know, just communicating and asking the question really just gets it, it gets it front and center. Like, hey, yeah. let's make this less uncomfortable for everybody. Let's make this exactly. put it all, all out on the table. And that way we're 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 saying I respect you enough to want to know how to do this right for you. Right. Exactly. And so I think that that's a big factor is just getting everyone on the same page about you know, we're not here to offend anyone. And if we do, it's completely just out of ignorance or, you know, there's no malice, but, you know, let's, let's get on the same page and we can teach each other. Right. So like, I want to learn, I want to learn how to do things in a different way because it develops who I am as a human being. So I think just being open enough. Yeah. Yeah. It develops our emotional intelligence. This is, this is emotional intelligence. Absolutely. Right. And the folks that you're offering this to also then have a bunch of insights like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm. well, then when I have my other meeting with that other team in that other place yeah. or from that other industry, I can also ask because sometimes you find cultural differences from industry to industry. Right. We don't mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be about nationality or yeah eth- ethnic differences. I mean, there's there are cultural differences on all kinds of levels all mm, kinds mm-hmm, absolutely so culture changed i think dramatically during covid so how do you feel like culture became a major player or did it become less of a player um or a factor when we're after covid because i feel like covid kind of put everything on a global Ooh. stage wow that's a great question um okay so a few things are occurring to me mm-hmm. in a way I believe that COVID was uh, a kind of an equalizer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Because as you say, it was a global deal. Yeah. So we were all stuck somewhere online. Right. Yeah. Right. We, all of us, and we were all wearing sweatpants from the waist down. Yeah. I still am. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And many of us had kids in the background uh-huh. that brings people closer together when you see yeah. their kids right mm-hmm. or the kid jumps up on the person's lap during a meeting or the mm-hmm. cat walks across the keyboard which happened yeah. to me i don't know so many times not <laughs> i don't own a cat but with other people uh-huh so covid made us more human more vulnerable yeah. which is a big equalizer which helps yeah. bring folks together mm-hmm. um and it it tempers the um, power distance, the hierarchy. Yeah. Right. Because sure when, you're, when your big boss looks like he just got out of bed with his head, his hair up like this. <laughs> or you right? see his or, bed not made in the background. Or yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. You realize, oh, mm. he's human and he has yeah. to admit that he is human. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing. I think that um, it's been a huge strain for us. This is not exactly to do with culture, but I think yeah. not being able to have in law in person live contact mm-hmm. with our colleagues has been a huge strain. It's a strain yeah. on on our brains, on our function as humans, yeah. mm-hmm. right? We know that now from all the brain scientists, and so that that counteracts that equalization of COVID. Mm-hmm. Like that creates more stress, and if there are situations in the workplace that are urgent that are complex that are difficult to deal with Mm -hmm. it means that 
you know, we're already starting from a lower point in terms of how we're feeling, our problem solving ability. Yeah. And we, if we have global teams and we're only online, then we have to be solving problems 24 seven, literally. Mm -hmm. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I've had meetings where I was in Europe and I had to have a meeting with my Seattle folks on the line and the Chinese folks, my Chinese colleagues on the line. And Mm -hmm. I had to hold that meeting at two 30 in the morning. I didn't have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. And it was rough. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So I think COVID, those are two things about COVID. It's an equalizer, Mm -hmm. but it also made us a little bit, it's beaten us down. And you know what? I can see now a couple things happening post COVID. I feel them. I don't know. You can tell me Mm -hmm. if you feel these two. First thing I feel is that there's a rush to get out. Everybody is like out. My friends are out five days a week now. Yeah, I know. It's exhausting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. I don't get it. I still really like to be in my, inside my house. Like maybe that's just me, but right? I still really just like to be home. <laughs> yeah. So some of us got really used mm-hmm. to it. I think it's easier for the introverts, but yeah, wow, I have this, I have these friends who are literally out all the time and I can't mm-hmm. keep up with them. I can't even begin. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that you can feel that a lot of people are not okay. That yeah. it's been a huge strain on our mental health. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And folks are, yeah, people are, you know, getting upset more easily. Um, here in Seattle, I don't know about where you are in Atlanta. Georgia, but, yeah. But the drivers here have become like 40% worse than they yeah. were before. Like it's <laughs> really bad really yeah. bad i feel like people are taking out all that bottle that frustration mm. behind the wheel mm-hmm. well i think what what covid did is it revealed the cracks in yeah. our armor you know whether it's yeah. our government whether it's our personal lives whether it's our schools whether it's whatever that is it revealed the cracks in the armor because all of a sudden there's there's like wait that's you know and maybe we were just too busy and we were just you know too involved in our own lives to notice these things before but i feel like it re- it revealed all the cracks in our armor and it really kind of made us sit back and be like hmm that's not making sense or you know hmm i'm not as happy as i thought i was or maybe this isn't the career for me and maybe i should be happier in my family and like i just feel yeah. like we started questioning everything and yes. so when when you really start deep diving into issues and questions and you know you're no longer living in this like well i'm too busy to notice you know i think that's yeah. when people start wondering like hmm maybe everything isn't what it seems and like you know whether it's your family whether it's your job whether it's your commute your city your like i said schools governments everything i mean everything started to be questioned um and i think that that was a big part of it and that's i mean maybe um amped up the anxiety for people yeah absolutely absolutely there's a ton of anxiety out there mm-hmm. you know and i totally to build on what you're saying for me, COVID has been also a gift because yeah. COVID made us stop and think about what's really important to us. Sure. Yeah. It sure made did. us think about the fact that others are suffering around us and that mm. we actually have communities and paying attention 
to our relationships in our communities actually is essential for yeah. us to prosper and survive mm-hmm. and prosper. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 100%. And you know, people who, like you say, people who were just on autopilot, you know, moving full speed forward that would, yeah. we were, we were allowed to do that before we could, mm-hmm. we could, but when we're not allowed, we have to depend on each other. We have to, mm-hmm. right. And people who are at home with their families, suddenly their family relationships deepened. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Some went the other way. Some had crisis in the family, which I totally understand. Like if you don't have enough space in yeah. your place, right. right it's right. really hard. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel like ironically COVID was kind of a gift and you know, the planet was kind of like, okay, right. Hum- humans, like you're uh-huh. taking everything for granted and there are too many of you and the planet's suffering. Like you have to stop now. Stop yeah. Look yeah. around. Absolutely. I, yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. So just to kind of pivot a little bit. So as women, we often give our power away. We often say, you know, give credit or, or accolades or something. And we, we don't step into our power. Can you tell me about a time that you gave your power away and perhaps another time that you stepped into your power? I do a lot of facilitating of executive development, leadership development programs. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that facilitating is more, you know, sometimes it's very active. I deliver modules and I run exercises and stuff. And I, you know, I'm the, I'm the expert in the room. Sometimes though, I'm more like the MC. And when I first started working with this Boeing team that I work with, Mm -hmm. there were two facilitators and we would have, um, folks from Chinese airlines coming to Seattle, mm-hmm. like 25 of them would come for a couple of weeks. Some of them would even come for three weeks. It was just really very grueling. And they would have a program every day. Wow. And in the classroom, we would have to keep them oriented. Like, okay, now we're going to do this. And here comes this expert. And let me introduce him to you and blah, blah, blah. And right. And I worked with another facilitator who is a really brilliant person, like incredibly like quick, very verbal and younger than me and i understood after some time that that she was working through some stuff and that she Mm. had a little bit of anxiety there was a little bit of agitation there there was stuff happening so i decided to let her take the lead because she was feeling i felt like she was feeling insecure and she Mm. wanted to be out front and for me, I weighed what it would mean, right? Well, what does this mean? Well, it means I'll be talking less and I'll be less visible. Do I, is that a problem for me? Mm-hmm. Not really. Yeah. Um, is my role going to change because of it? No. Mm-hmm. And so I stepped back because I also wanted to have, it was important for me both personally and professionally to have a good relationship with her. Mm-hmm. And um I felt like there was some competition happening there. So I did that intentionally and it was great. I mean, she, she's incredible and she did extremely well and she moved on and now she's doing other stuff, but I also learned from her. Oh, nice. Okay, good. Yeah. 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 So that's one kind of instance I would put forward. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, and it's nice that you did that intentionally and with, with good, results you know like you weren't um you were stepping back but it was it was 
for a positive reason yeah nobody was yeah. taking that from you yeah i mean so. there are plenty of times when my power was not my power was usurped because somebody was just yeah a bigger presence than me and i had no i had no say yeah mm -hmm. right i mean you know there's the the usual you know the men around you yeah can tend to be bigger louder mm -hmm. whatever think differently um so that's happened to me yeah plenty of yeah. times yeah but less now less now yeah good yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good uh-huh so so tell me a little bit more um, about advice that you would give to your 18-year-old self because you've set out on some <laughs> incredible adventures and I don't know that you'd you'd do anything differently. So what what advice would you give to your 18-year-old self? Well, I I wouldn't in terms of like traveling and getting to know the world, mm -hmm. I would not, I would not give any different advice. I would not say yeah. don't do that. I would definitely yes. let them do that. Uh, my 18-year-old self would have needed to understand better in her heart um it's okay to figure out who you are and yeah. then it's okay to be that person mm. that you know if you spend your life trying to be what you think others around you need and want you to be then a you're never going to be completely happy mm. and settled in yourself you're not going to feel your power and b the people around you may not want what you think they do yeah that's so true right? yeah right? so true mm -hmm. so yeah you risk you risk uh not growing into yourself mm -hmm. and so you know and then there's a there's a counterpart i would say i would say to the to the 40 year old me okay you've lost track of yourself oh interesting yeah what's what's happening you you're entitled to go and find her mm -hmm. and re re-inhabit her mm -hmm. because she's she's part of you and she's cool and she's smart and she's beautiful um in her soul yeah no no I mean absolutely uh, you know, so I, right? I love that because you're right because I feel like at 18 we feel like we're about to conquer the world and then somewhere along the way we kind of get into this grind where you're like you're just going through the motions right yeah. and so I love that you say that and and to reintroduce yourself to the 18 year old you and say hey remember her she's stunning she's amazing you know yeah. maybe maybe the two of you can reconnect <laughs> and say that yeah. because i like that that's so it's so powerful it can be it can be like this huge shift i mean when i was 45 i started doing amateur theater yeah and everyone around me was like 25 to 30 uh -huh. and uh -huh. they treated me like i was the same yeah and they're like okay janet stand on your head and you know jump and jump off the stage i'm like yeah, yeah. <laughs> Break something, but, it yeah. was, but it was it was fabulous because mm. i was forced to be out there yeah exactly right? yeah and it gave me so much so much for i for me that was the one most powerful thing uh in terms of becoming comfortable 
speaking in public, yeah, being the, being the focus of attention. I'm kind of 50-50 introvert extrovert. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and there was some anxiety there earlier on, some pretty, you know, pretty palpable anxiety when I think about it now. When I was yeah. back then, I took it for granted that's the way it is. Yeah. Um, but being forced to, you know, literally be on a stage mm-hmm. because you're supposed to be there and people are waiting for you to say your lines and give them something, give them an idea of what's happening, make them laugh or make them cry or whatever. Yeah. That was, that was so wonderful because then it breaks that fear. Yeah. It's so empowering. Yeah. 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 I totally recommend it for anybody who's, you know, struggling with public speaking, yeah. or, you know, running meetings. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. That's awesome advice. So I really enjoyed this. I think you're so insightful and I've learned a ton from you, but I have one more question for you. What do you wish more people knew? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I wish more people, especially here in in this culture, in our U S culture, I wish that more people knew that if you spend all your life aiming for those objectives and those goals and all and achieving for the future that you miss all that beautiful stuff yeah that's happening in front of your nose like yeah you know the lilacs are blooming and Mm. you know the dog over there is you know rolling around in the grass and there's color yeah there and there's music to listen to Mm -hmm. and People and interesting people stuff with yeah yeah absolutely there's so many interesting people out there mm-hmm. if you spend your whole life you know just with your colleagues and your accountant yeah it's tough it is tough <laughs> <laughs> it is tough but life is interesting and beautiful this is what i tell my my children yeah life life is amazing and the world is really interesting try to get what you can out of it that's so good i i agree so i'm actually in the in the process of finishing the matthew mcconaughey book uh green lights and he says something very similar it's all about living in the moment and you know when he gets wrapped up into the whole hollywood fame thing he'll just kind of escape and go in an rv for a while or go to you Mm. know go to a village in Africa and, or go Mm -hmm. float down the Amazon. Like he, he does the same thing. Like he, he forces himself to live in the moment where in situations where you don't have a choice, you know, but to live in the moment for survival. And so he, he does that often and he talks about the value of it and, you know, how it's changed his life. And I think that, you know, what you're saying about, you know, appreciate what's around you, um, you know, the colors, the flavors, the, the people, I mean, there's so many interesting conversations I have with people, you know, at a, at a, you know, bus stop or a, you know, convenience store, or, you know, people are just fascinating and you just never know where you're going to run into somebody that just can change your whole life. Yeah. I mean, human connection is Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. that's the thing. That's the goal. Absolutely. So Janet Livingstone can be found where? At cultureiskey.coach. Yes, that's an ending. Dot uh-huh. Coach, C-O-A-C-H. And that is my practice of leadership development and executive coaching. Awesome. And as we talked about with Angela, I do a lot of coaching that has to do with 
multicultural um, businesses, people who are being relocated or people yeah. who are just dealing with, you know, intercultural issues. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and I'm going to be working really soon with a company in Central Europe called Under the Apple Tree. That's undertheappletree.co. So there's a lot going on. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and you can also find uh, all of her links on prettypowerfulpodcast.com. So please do check her out. And I can't wait to see what else you come up with because you have some incredible stories and journeys. And I'm sure you are far from being finished with it all. So congratulations on your success. Thank you so much. All right. Have an amazing day, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining our guests on the Pretty Powerful Podcast. And we hope you've gained new insight and learned from exceptional women. Remember to subscribe or check out this and all episodes on prettypowerfulpodcast.com. Visit us next time. And until then, step into your own power.